Welcome to the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor podcast, LaughBox. We have multiple hosts and multiple guests and multiple ways to think out of the box using humor. LaughBox is a production of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Visit us online at www.aath.org. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Music by Gary Rubio. For more information, www.garyrubiomusic.com. Join us for episode 102 with Jim Bob Williams, KDB, and special guest, laughter yogi and joy coach, Carla H. Brown. Yay! Welcome to LaughBox, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. I'm Jim Bob Williams. And I'm KDB. Our special guest is Carla H. Brown. And she's a laughter coach. She's a laughter specialist in many ways. And you can find out more about her at livingfromjoy.com. But why don't you find out even more by staying and listening to the podcast? Welcome, Carla. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) That's an award-winning laugh, literally. All right, let's get serious. Isn't laughter great? It's so great to help you to breathe for us recovering anxious people. a good laugh i know that i'm actually getting the required amount of oxygen in a day because i'm actually not holding my <laughs> breath but just more ah, yeah thank you so much it's just a delight to be here with you and i love aath i've been following you for years and so i look forward to getting more involved in that i was on my way to my first session the conference when covid hit so i'm i will be coming back to that conference Yay! So, yes, yay for laughter, yay for joy. Why is it important? Why is it important to have joy and to even laugh? I have some friends, I call myself a recovering serious person, but I have some friends who are still very dedicated to being serious and assure me that we need to be serious in order to get the world's problems solved. And I actually believed that for many years. And here's why it doesn't work for me anymore. I love this. Because A, our body doesn't know the difference between the news, a saber-toothed tiger, or your boss. It's still responding in the same way. And it's still releasing cortisol and adrenaline and it's still hiking up the stress hormones, which doesn't give our body what it needs in the long-term to thrive. And so while I am deeply passionate about the causes in the world and the things that are going on that when each one of us has a passion for that thing, we can do something. I'm even more passionate for our own personal energy the love we have for ourselves and how we cultivate our love and our joy. And the reason joy matters is because our bodies forget how to feel happy and feel joyful. Have you ever tried to laugh? Just everybody do this. I know we're just, this is a podcast, but cross your arms and look down at the ground and cross your legs if you feel like you can. And then make a grumpy, like closed face. And now I just want you to laugh. (sighs) (sighs) All right, let it go. Shake out your arms, open your body back up. And now take your hands and inhale and open your arms up and get a big fake smile on your face. I call it engaging your smiling muscles. And here we go. We're opening our chest. We're facing our head up a little, and we're going to go. (laughs) 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 And then we take a deep breath. So place your arms down and just feel your body. That was a very simple exercise. So our body posture, first and foremost, makes the biggest difference. And when we are in a serious state, there are times for seriousness, there are times for focus, 
and engaging clear thinking and a focused response. If we are stuck in a serious groove and we are constantly having stress hormones, we're in the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight response. Even if it's just a little bit, there's a time for that, but there's a time also for resting. So if we're always going, the body can't restore and renew and rebuild. And the reason I love laughter and the experience of being open, like we just practiced and opening the arms, tilting the head back a little, is because it elicits a joy response and the body gets to rest. It, it gives it a flow of feeling good, like a positive wave. And that ripple of delight, I will call it, with laughter, even fake laughter, like I like to call simulated. The refined way is simulated laughter. <laughs> Let's practice a little simulated laughter together. <laughs> and inhale. <sighs> Gotta love that extra oxygen you get when you're laughing. So even if we're simulating laughter, our body doesn't know the difference. And in my classes, I teach my students to engage the smiling muscles, to open up the body, to engage the laughing muscles, to simulate laughter until it becomes real and contagious. And in so doing, we begin to liberate stuck energy in the body. And the body loves it. The body loves it. However, when the body has been practicing holding, clenching, shutting down, stuffing away, and just getting by and being in survival. So if you saw me right now, you would see my fists are clenched, my shoulders are up in my ears, and my and I'm huddled over, right? And now I'm relaxing that, I'm releasing it. So when we do that, the body, in all its wisdom, holds on to that because it thinks there's a problem. I need to be ready at any moment to spring in and to fight and to freeze and to do whatever I need to do. The body is protecting itself, but the body doesn't really need to protect itself all the time. <laughs> it's just that we continually feed ourselves through world events, through personal events, and through the major changes that are going on all around us personally, globally, in our nation. And when we continue to feed ourselves only worry, only fear, only negativity, only, only, and we take that cinch and we get it tighter and tighter, we are gonna be serious because our brain is in survival mode and our limbic system, our middle brain is saying, warning, warning. Do you remember that time when? Do you remember that? Do you remember? And then it thinks we got to do things that is going to be right. And it's telling us there's a problem. There's an emergency. When we laugh, when we connect with our body in joyful ways, when we let our body know, <laughs> right now I'm tapping my heart right now and I'm just laughing for no reason at all. <laughs> it's okay, I was just stuck in a stress response. I can let it go. <laughs> <laughs> and we laugh and we breathe and we let it go because the body really is super duper wise. And the brain is a little bit confused. You got your stories from your childhood. You got your stories from when you were a teenager trying to figure things out with hormones and peer pressure and parents. And you got your 20s. You're like going to college, getting out of college, get a job. Uh, and you got your 30s, 40s, 50s. You keep going like that, right? And you got these well-worn grooves. Eh, I'm tight. It's tight. It's hard. It's... And usually what I found about all of that is that I am tight and I am clenching and I am anxious and I am not breathing. Not breathing. 
not breathing. So take both of your little fingers, not your little baby fingers, but just your fingers. You're like wonderful fingers. Let's just take all of our fingers. Let's take all of our fingers and point them at ourselves. And we're just going to laugh at ourselves for a moment. Here we go. <laughs> I'm out all the time. I don't like to breathe very much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know I wasn't breathing. <laughs> and now inhale, sigh it out, and just feel for a moment. God, that's just so great. Even when I practice being serious, my body knows what to do. And then I practice laughing, giggling, breathing, and my body knows what to do. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> yeah. So my journey with this began because I had an intense amount of trauma growing up as a child. Trauma is that new buzzword, but it's really situations and experiences and interactions that we have with our caregivers, with our friends, with the outer world when we're a child and we have no control. We and we're learning and our brain isn't fully developed. And I started having anxiety attacks when I was five years old. Wow. You can imagine when I got to be 28 years old, I was a pretty good breath holder, which is my other word for anxiety over here. <laughs> breath holder. Love it. Instead of I'm always anxious, I always seem to be holding my breath, right? When we bring curiosity to it, I'm a breath holder. I'm an expert breath holder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we realize, yeah, but it's not really doing all that it could anymore. It's not, I, I don't think I need to do that anymore. And we get curious with it. We play with it. We recognize that breath holding, AKA anxiety, is a strategy, a strategy that I used as a child when I didn't know anything different. But guess what? Newsflash, I'm not a child anymore. <laughs> I'm an adult. And in my late 20s, I was so anxious that my nervous system responded with an autoimmune illness that left me paralyzed for 18 months. Now that is serious that was serious and i say it in that joking way because everything is serious or nothing is serious and what is your response to life and so these days i'm a lot less serious but i am fully present and i recognize wow i'm not feeling so great what does my body need what is going on inside this beautiful like palace that I live, this palace that knows how to move all of those little wrist joint bones. There's, I think there's six or eight in there, the ankle bones. It knows how to think, it knows how to grow hair, it knows how to open and close eyes, digest, talk, like all of that's happening maybe simultaneously and a thousand other functions. Wow. Could I just get my mind out of the way? So I do this in my classes. So take your hands, <clears throat> open your hands in front of you. So your palms are faced up and then turn your hands sideways. So your thumb is facing up and then open your arms wide. So they're open and just feel the openness again. We're always practicing that really feel the openness. And now take an inhale and now close your arms and place them around you like you're hugging yourself. And now release your hands and just place them in your mouth. Now that's a very easy somatic exercise. We keep it simple. The body likes things to be simple. And we can recognize we can open as we're inhaling, we can close as we're exhaling. And as long as we keep a flow going, the body can keep up with us. But what happens is that we get shut down. 
We get closed off. We pinch off things. We have that experience when we're five and then seven and then six and then 10 and then 12 and then 14 and then, and, then, and we get all these pinched off places. And as children, we're doing the very best we can. And perhaps we didn't have the connection, the love, the support, but as adults, when we bring laughter and humor into our bodies, we bring connection and we bring support. <laughs> and as I say that, I giggle, but there's also tears of joy. There's tears of joy because that kind of connection, when I found it, I had been looking for that for a lifetime. And so enter in grief yoga and my practice as a grief counselor and grief coach. I work with both sides of the spectrum, laughter and joy, grief and sorrow and loss, because there's no difference. We are human. We are in this experience of connecting with each other and having experiences of loss where someone or something we love so dearly, maybe it's a job, it could be a marriage, it could be a pet, it could be a parent, it could be anything. There's this feeling of, oh my gosh, you've brought me so much love and joy. Really, that person, that situation has awakened joy, awakened love in our systems. And our system is like, yeah, I want more of that. I know what that is, I'll take it. And then all of a sudden, we feel like we, it goes away. Right? Have you guys ever had that experience of loss? Maybe tell me a little Absolutely. bit. I feel like I'm talking. Bring your voice into the space. I just want to hear like your experience of what I'm saying and just maybe a question you might have as I get into this. Jim Bob, go ahead. Okay. Well, actually, it was the summer after my first ADH conference. My son passed away, overdose of methamphetamine and fentanyl. And it was, that was tough. And I hope future generations don't think I'm a horrible person for what I'm about to say. My improv troupe was scheduled to perform the day after my son died. And after spending about 24 hours or so making phone calls and funeral arrangements or whatnot, uh, there was nothing left to do. I looked at my wife and said, I need to go to the show. And she said, you're right. There's nothing more we can do here. And went and performed the show. It was, it was a great time. Okay. And afterwards, I announced the news to the rest of the troupe. And they're like, we would have understood if you canceled out. No, you don't understand. I I needed to create something, and that was that was my outlet. And I figured this sometimes a life is your improv partner, and sometimes you don't like the cues you get, but you have to say yes and, and roll with them. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Thank you so much, Jim Bob. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm just honored to listen to that story and your story is a story of many people, except for that place where they take themselves into a place where they get connection, mm -hmm. where they stay present and where they exactly what you said, get to engage creativity. So for me, movement, breath, sound, laughter, it engages my creativity. I'm a very kinesthetic being and I think it could have, for me, witnessing you doing that and then announcing that to people, I, I would have been crying tears of joy because there is the aspect of horror. That's the only word I'm going to say there because there's no way to, I can't describe your experience of losing your son to fentanyl, but the word horror to me is, it's horrific. It's horrific. And then there is this experience of life and connection and energy in motion in whatever ways that you expressed it in your improv troupe and in my heart i like to believe that my friends that have passed from ODing, my friends that have passed in general family members the things that that deeply touch me are the times when we connected and were alive together and were living in our truth authentically playing and doing what you were doing doing whatever we're doing and i know for me that my one friend who od'd 
that was the things that we did together. And I don't know how you connected with your son, but you stayed in your body, in your life, and you met it and you moved it through. Did you find that, I'm sure the grief was still profound, but did you find it It brought a sense of, what did it bring for you to be able to do that? It gave me a sense of hope that things could go on and that if, in grieving sometimes you think, think of what you've lost, okay? I'll never see his wedding. I'll never see his graduation. I'll never see him get his first job or whatever. Okay. And you can dwell on that, but it, it, maybe it was a conscious decision to dwell on, dwell on happier times. And the memorabilia I keep, it was stuff I was cleaning up my garage over the past week and I found some old items and it was, and some of it was tough. You pick up that old uh, soccer trophy or whatnot. I, I can choose to remember him at his best okay and yeah i'll reflect upon the woulda coulda shouldas okay what if we had gotten counseling at a different time or what if i had done something differently here or there but maybe that's one thing about improv and teaching you to embrace failure and to stay in the moment is if i make a mistake in an improv show i can't get it back i have to be in present looking for the next cue for what's going to happen you can't dwell on the past and so that's, uh, so maybe I had, improv gave me a little practice on how to deal with disappointment and failure. And of course, I'm not saying that a bad skit is anywhere equal in grief to loss a family member, but it's. Uh, yeah. And how long had you been practicing improv before your son passed? Actually, I like to think I was doing it for about 45 years before I discovered I was doing improv. Okay. Seriously, I retired as an engineer and I started taking some acting and improv lessons. And boy, this sounds familiar. This is exactly how, these are exactly the skills used to cope with upsets at wastewater treatment plants, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you have to accept things as there is. You have to say yes, and this is going bad. You have to listen to people to find out what they're doing. It's just, things work out better if you make your partner look good and you support them. If you learn, so I look at that and said, this is everything I've been doing. I just didn't have a name for it. I didn't know that there was a discipline involved. And it was a little bit like that with therapeutic humor. Okay. I knew humor made me more effective on the job. I didn't know why. And Yeah. So from what I'm hearing, you have always had a positive spin somewhere in you. Either you were born with it or you chose to turn it on and you kept it going. So your pump was really primed when this accident with your son happened where you could find that place in you where love and joy and the humor of it lives, not the humor of losing someone because that's a devastating experience, but the, the humor that fills us, that gives us the strength and courage to meet the suffering parts. I feel like you, you met the suffering with laughter, with humor, with your improv, and it kept you, I make up a story, it kept you in your body and it helped the energy to keep moving and choosing, like you said, hope to keep you connected. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You know, when, when grief comes to your door, I like to give it a pie in the face. Say that's what <laughs> I agree. And uh, timing is everything. And in your life, maybe grief with a pie in the face is going to be the greatest thing. For some people, if I were to meet their grief with a pie in the face, it might shut them down for the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so I will tell you that um, I navigated, just running back quickly to that story when in my late 20s, I navigated the paralysis i by going deep into the depression i went deep and i had no i was just it was a hard time 18 months and i couldn't use any of my coping strategies quote unquote because i was paralyzed like where could i go that was the cosmic joke you can't work it away you can't exercise it away you can't eat it away because you can't move ah dang and so i already had that optimistic spin but it really was very tricky 
And as I started getting better, I started choosing, like, I just want to feel better. I know what the depth of despair feels like. And so this is the turning point. I make up, that's the turning point. You had some kind of your own similar turning point with the death that like you decided I'm gonna do this anyway. And I decided I have been suffering. I have been struggling. This is hard. I'm really in painful place. What else is out there? What else can I do? I didn't really even know joy as a child. I was super serious for the first 27 years of my life. And then this went on and I thought, okay, I. Why are all these people happy? I want to be happy. So speed up. I found laughter yoga. It changed my life. My body, when I first found laughter yoga, I was doing it because I knew humor would help me. I had already used humor to teach. And I had recently moved from California to Texas. I wasn't finding new friends and I was feeling depressed. And I said, I got to laugh. I just got to laugh. I don't know. what. And I went looking for laughter on the internet way back in the 2008. And I found this radio program with laughter yoga. And I thought, eh, what's that? And my serious self, meh. And my other self is curious. Oh, I wonder what it is. And so I did it for 10 minutes. And my serious side said, oh my God, are you joking? Is this what we're doing? And you, know, I didn't know till later how well-defined. She, she was just like, I am in charge of everything. And I am always right. So there was that part. And then my curious little child side was like, oh, I wonder what it is. But regardless of both of those sides, clear them completely off the table. My body, my body was like, dang, 10 minutes of that. I'm good to go. I was smiling the rest of the day. I was smiling at strangers. I felt good. I felt more confident. And I was just really curious what is going on. And so I just kept doing it. Really, I just kept letting my body do it while my mind was like, no, God, what are you doing? No, I can't believe you're doing it again. Oh. And I had to talk to that part of myself. Oh, honey, it's okay. Okay. And it took only four years, four years for me to turn off that voice. Meanwhile, I took three different trainings. Then I trained to become a laughter teacher. I began teaching laughter yoga. I began training people, blah, 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 blah. So my body started getting retrained and it took me about four years to turn off that serious voice. She's still in there. It behooves me to listen to her. Otherwise she's can be cranky and, and manipulative and whatever. So I listen, I listen to these parts. And that's what led me into the grief yoga, because in 2017, my mother had a stroke and she ended up passing about six months later. And right on the heels of that, one of my very best friends got cancer and died. And I had been practicing laughter for so long that there's a specific laughter and laugh, laughter exercise and laughter yoga called crying laughter. So you <laughs> simulate laughter as you curl your body down and then you <laughs> simulate laughter as you bring your body up and you open it. And I had done that over and over thousands of times. And all of a sudden I would be crying and then I would be laughing, but I was really deeply sad but I was laughing and I didn't, it was just really, I wanted to write a one woman show like grief, a comedy. I couldn't figure out how to deal with this. And I found grief yoga and grief yoga. I learned, I trained to become a teacher. And what it did was it was the perfect balance because then I began to teach myself to meet the grief with moves, with postures, with sounds that let the grief move through my system. And then I returned to authentic laughter, not fake laughter. So that is why I have this passion for grief and laughter, for joy and sorrow, because it's not really that really. Guess what it is? Aliveness, alive. I'm alive. You're alive. We get to be alive in this body. Yes. Do we even know the gift of that? I've seen a quote three days in a row now. Okay. And I think it was a preparation for this conversation. I'll put, but uh, Kirk Vonnegut wrote that laughter and tears are both responses to frustration and exhaustion. And I myself prefer to laugh because there's less cleaning up to do afterward. <laughs> Yay! Round of applause for Kirk! I have not seen that, Jim Bob, but thank you so much. So the science behind it is that 
Laughter and tears produce the same chemical release in the system. They produce the same chemical release. The thing about tears, especially if you don't know how to let the tears move through, because when you have one loss and you haven't dealt with that loss, you just stuff it away. And then you have another loss, stuff away, another loss, stuff away, lost stuff. Pretty soon your body is stuffed away all of this loss. And so that any other time you have a loss, all the losses are like me, yes, loss. And it pings every other loss. And so when we are laughing or when we are crying, when we are processing, when we are feeling the full spectrum of our emotions, we are metabolizing and digesting the difficult things. We're also metabolizing and digesting the joy and the fun and the play. And it makes us who we are. So the great thing is that the body knows how to move through suffering. It knows how to feel good again. When it's tired, it wants to rest so it can rebuild energy so it can feel good again. So I just love that you wrote that quote because yes, laughter, I use laughter in my grief yoga sessions to help to remind us that there's hope, to help to remind us that the heart can be open to love again in the midst of the suffering. But also, for those of you that are listening, I have my hand next to my mouth and I'm whispering silently. Also, it doesn't know the difference. So when we laugh, even if we're grieving, it gives the body all this oxygen, it releases happy chemicals, and we can still grieve later, right? We can still be in the shutdown posture later, but when we open, then we let that laughter, we let the joy be there too. Just like you said earlier, Jim Bob, both and. Carla, always amazing to listen with you. And so I have a question. Have you dealt with elderly adults that are feeling the grief of their bodies not doing what they want, the aging process, the loneliness they possibly are feeling? Can you talk a little bit about how you would help someone in that situation where maybe they're grieving some of their life and how do we bring them joy or help them? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I love my senior population. I, again, when we engage with each other, no matter what age we are, humans are hardwired to connect. We are hardwired to connect. We must have it. Having said that, in our culture, we have this weird thing that I believe we're unlearning, which is I'm supposed to be strong. I'm supposed to get through this alone. I'm supposed to figure this out. And then when my parents get to be this age, then they're going to go over here and they're going to do this. And it's not that we don't want our parents to be happy, but we're not happy many times. And we're isolating, we're deflecting, we're stuffing, we're doing all those things. And so we're not even knowing how to connect with ourselves. And you can imagine our parents have had years and years before us practicing all of that, rushing, struggling, all of those things, stuffing your things, be seen and not heard, all of that. And it's really amazing. I remember this one senior session I had, gosh, it was so long ago must have been in 2012. I was in this senior facility and it was a group of about 45 seniors coming down for a laughter yoga experience. And this one gentleman who I bet used his height to be very, he had power in his height, but as an older man, you could see that he could just look at you and it could be maybe a death stare, but I don't really get, <laughs> I don't really get ex affected by death stares anymore. I just see it as a cry for help. But anyway, he looked down at me and he said, I'd like to see how you're going to get me to laugh. And I looked up at him with this big smile and I said, whew. Fortunately, I don't have to worry about that because I'm not going to get you to laugh. We're just going to do laughter exercises together and breathe together. And if you want to participate, you can. And he was like very confused, very confused. So fortunately, he stayed for the session. He was way in the back, but he was stayed. And at the end, I had all these people coming up to me and saying, oh, my God, it's wonderful. 
wonderful. And he came over to me and whispered with his side mouth, like, that was pretty good. Like he wasn't going to admit that he felt amazing, but he just got to have an experience of vegan community. You probably experienced this. Both of you experienced this in the work that you do. When you're with other people and you're playing and having fun, it automatically regulates our nervous system and it makes us feel better. And so what I've taught myself to do and what I work with seniors in is playing with those problems is doing the gremlin be gone laughter the little voice inside of your head then we play we imagine we're going on trips to different places together only in our mind right and we let ourselves laugh and connect together and then we meet those feelings like we do the crying laughter or we do the anxiety be gone or i invite people's voices in every session i do no matter who i'm working with i invite people's voices like what's going on in your life that feels really hard Let's bring some laughter there. Give me your best shot. What do we got? And people will bring forward things. And always there is a way to, here, are you ready for the golden word? Movement. Mm. Movement. So they say, if you don't move it, you lose it. But it's the same. If you don't move your body, you need to move your body. You need to move your breath. You need to move your mind. We need to move. If I sit in a seat, I'm going to get stagnant and stuck and everything's going to feel crunchy. And so when we move, when we laugh, when we practice humor, and I love improv because improv is like moving your mind and your body, right? Like you don't know what's coming next. So you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this now. It's a brilliant way to keep ourselves alive and connected. And I feel like laughter is really just a byproduct of breathing. And I like to say forced breathing because when we, <laughs> we take a deep inhale and when we're in improv, it forces us to, I, I tell my students, imagine you're an octopus right now, octopus, they can get in teeny tiny holes or they have eight limbs and they can stretch out really wide and they can move all around. And that's what we're doing. We're keeping ourselves lubricated with laughter. We're keeping ourselves jovial with our joy. That improv excites us and it invites our imagination to come forward. Those things are key tools and seniors have them. In fact, you see many seniors, they get a little childlike and they're like, ooh, and they like to be, and you can tell, I don't know about the two of you, but I can tell when a senior is still riddled with bitterness and resentment because their laughter is, is like a flying little piece of fire. It's like, <laughs> and it's just like, it's coming out of them. You can just see it just comes out. And so we play with that. We'll just say, oh, we got a lot of crap in here. We're just gonna <laughs> lift it up and let it go. And we'll go, <laughs> and we'll just, Space, clear the space. And I have had more seniors come up to me because with seniors, it doesn't take much if they have, in fact, just been sitting for a really long time. No. It doesn't actually take much. You could just, I just take my seniors. I don't really have a pen here, but I'll take my spoon. Oh, here's my pen. We could just take the, everybody get your pen or pencil. All right, stick it in your mouth. Okay, and now we're just gonna fake Fake a laugh. Here we go. <laughs> and that's it. The body doesn't know the difference. It just wants to feel good. The body really wants to feel good. And we shut down our receptor sites to feeling good. And then pretty soon there's one little tiny flower. That's all that's left is... Oh, then we do, I feel sorry for myself laughter. Oh, I do anything that I can, Kate, to allow myself to not buy into the seriousness, 
to allow myself to see my to let my humor being out and to see the humor being in all of them to sometimes we do the laughing seaweed right we just we're because some people are non-ambulatory right and so we just imagine you're a giant piece of seaweed and the ocean is tickling you and you're moving back and forth and then sometimes i'll come up and tickle their face or and then they like to play that too and if we're standing we'll play a little bit of pop the balloon laughter or electric shock laughter and all we're doing is awakening our humor being we're getting our breath going we're getting our body going it doesn't actually take much have you guys found the same thing yes sometimes it's a little tougher when there are relatives (laughs) so i'm just gonna say i want to try and make that better but first jim bob you have a question about Thursday. That's right. This is my favorite question to ask. Okay. And so it's like this and what you do and what you practice and what you teach. Okay. How can it make a difference in somebody's life on Thursday? You walk away from a class and you're all charged up because you've got this information there, but then the week goes on and you get buffeted around and by Thursday, you know, you've got another problem to walk through the door. So how do you use what you teach on Thursday? All right. So Everyone, get your pen or pencil. So you're going to put that in your purse or your front shirt pocket. All right. We got that. So we got that over in one hand. All right. And now on the other side of you, you're going to pick up your big vision glasses over here because if you have your little tiny vision glasses on, you will not be able to see anything else except for the problem. It's so close. So pick up those big vision glasses and put them on. (laughs) They're bigger than clown glasses. They extend past your head and you can start to see all. I'd like everyone to do this actually. Open, so take your hands, place them on your heart. Your elbows are up, all right, and out to the side. And we're gonna inhale. And we're going to exhale and open our arms. Ah. All right. So your arms are extended out to the side. Your hands are open. And now as you inhale, you're going to bring your hands up over your head, your arms over your head. And as you exhale, you're going to make the shape of a round glasses. And you're going to place your two index fingers like you're making glasses right on your forehead in between your eyebrows right at the top of your nose. And we're going to imagine we have big glasses on. And now we're going to look around, engage your smiling muscles. And we're just going to look at everything and we're going to make it up. Here we go. (laughs) 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 Lift our arms up and let it go and this is a two-parter okay jim bob so let it go and for those of you skeptics out there that have been practicing skepticism for a very long time just one second right over here here's your trophy good job i'm so proud of you you've been doing it so well for so long winner you are the winner of serious and shut down and worried and afraid and guess what so you don't have to practice that anymore so take your trophy put it on the shelf with your other trophies there we go all right and so now we're just gonna do our little laughter leeches which is what we do in my laughter classes and we're going to these laughter leeches they've just been poured into our space and they're going to take all of the negativity out and we're just gonna lift them up and just fling them into the air. So you're gonna imagine if you're listening to this, you're gonna imagine you're pulling from the ground and you're gonna go, you're just gonna fling it like you're flinging laundry, like you're flinging clothes. (laughs) So if that still hasn't worked, you're going to get your pen or pencil, you're going to put it in your mouth and you're going to simulate that smile. 
And you're going to say, I don't really feel very happy. I really feel hurt. Oh, and you're going to talk all about it in gibberish. And by speaking about it in gibberish, especially I do one minute of complaining in gibberish with my students and even with clients, you meet the energy. Have you all heard of bonding over negativity? Yes. Yeah. We want to, what's the word? Connect. Yes. We all want to connect. So if we have a habit of bonding over negativity, we could bond on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, and even on Friday. And so perhaps Thursdays is your day to realize, oh, I'm not going to bond over negativity. I'm just going to meet that energy that wants to connect and then I'm going to let it out. And then what I would tell people to do is just do some love scoops. You don't have to know love scoops are when you open your arms up and you just start scooping in good energy. You don't have to know what the good energy is. You just say, I'll have some good energy. I'll take it in. I'm very skeptical because I've been practicing skepticism for a very long time, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to call in those good things, love scooping it in. And you're going to place your hands on your heart and you're going to say, I'm so good. I'm so good at negativity. And now I'm getting good at some positivity. <laughs> and then Jim Bob, this was a long answer. I would probably do very good. Very good. Yay! <laughs> okay. I'm going to petition the Federal Communications Commission. And I don't want them to bring back the fairness rule the way they used to have it, where they used to have if a Republican made a statement, they'd have to have a Democrat make a counter statement there. But I think if news programs brings in anxiety, there needs to be a, and here with a counter or anti-anxiety message, there's a picture yourself on Fox News. And after they've had a long rant about something, they'll say, and now here's Carla with some positivity. I right. think it would be great. It would make the, it would make a show that much more effective. And all we would do is we would say so we'd have a we'd have a little because they are always have they travel in numbers right connection yeah. connection so they have their little posse there of three or four people and then we would have our little posse and we would all make the face where they're doing however they they are and then we would show them how nature works how even after the hardest worst winter ever ever the springtime pops up and we begin to go. Springtime is here! Winter! Springtime! That would be really fun. Would you do that with me, Jim Bob? I would sure. <laughs> I love it. This is a brilliant. This is just brilliant. So, anxiety sells, though, doesn't it? Anxiety sells, but anything, and this is a hot topic, and I realize we're finishing up, so I just I'll just yeah. make this brief. There, this is a hot topic right now. This topic of I'm holding on to my suffering to honor my loved one that has passed, mm -hmm. or I have to be anxious because otherwise, who is going to be worried about this? There's a problem here. Mm -hmm. And I will say there's one thing about loyalty to a, pa a departed one by staying in your grief. That's one thing going on. And then there's the anxiety. Both of these are habits and our body gets addicted to the chemicals that release in those ways. And then it just does that. Being addicted to being anxious, it becomes a habit. Fear becomes a habit. Worry becomes a habit. Grief mm -hmm. becomes a habit when it gets stagnant. And that, I believe, is because we weren't taught tools early on. We are resetting and relearning everything. And we are reclaiming our joy, reclaiming positivity, reclaiming the improv of life. What is the improv of life? All right, I guess we're just going to have to roll with it because obviously I have no control. Newsflash. Yeah, we get to feel joyful even in the midst of suffering. It's okay. It's okay. Yay. Yay! So, Carla, goodness gracious, you do a whole lot of things. You're a laughter yogi, you're a joy coach, you're a grief yoga instructor. What are your upcoming events? And what would you like people to look for you about 
in the future? Yeah, so I am starting in May. So I'm, I have a surgery coming up. So I'm going to be taking some time away to take care of myself. But starting again in May, I teach online three classes a week. Joy Reboot is a way to wake yourself up in the morning it starts at 8 30 pacific time and it's just 30 minutes and we are practicing movement and laughter we even bring some grief yoga into there we're liberating stuck energy and finding our joyful selves again we're just letting it go and liberating and loving ourselves and it's super fun we have a laughter class on wednesday evenings that's really fun and I'm currently working with groups in person and online. I work privately with clients. And what it's about is really putting our mental and emotional health and well being first and foremost. And so, for people who've had a lot of loss, they can use these principles with grief yoga. All of my work has to do with moving the body. So we're going to be moving and breathing and beginning to move some of that through metabolizing, digesting and opening and creating space for joy. And some people maybe not feeling lost, but maybe a lot of stuff from the past and they could use like, what does it feel like just to feel joy or to even laugh? They don't know what that feels like. So I bring that to it institutions, corporations, companies, and individuals. And my most exciting thing coming up in the end of June is I will be taking a group, most likely about an eight week series on people who have gone through health challenges who are unable to find their joy again because of maybe they're left with some type of restriction. And so we are all going to support one another and we're going to use these tools to bring more joy into our lives in the midst of the suffering and the pain. It's going to be so much fun. I cannot wait. Sounds amazing. So Carla H. Brown is found at livingfromjoy.com. She is a laughter joy coach and some of her profiles on Instagram and other profiles can be seen as laughter joy coach. Some is Carla H. Brown. LinkedIn is Carla H. Brown. And livingfromjoy.com has access to all of these. She does one-on-one -on -one joy coaching, group laughter online and in person, grief yoga on online and in person. Is that correct? Oh, yes. And Coming up, the eight-week series of people struggling with health challenges who need to find more joy in their daily lives. Yeah. Wonderful. Is, did I forget anything? Did I miss something? Oh, that's it. That's it. All right. Mm. This has been absolutely wonderful. Jim Bob, did you have anything else you'd like to add before we finish? For our audience, she should know that LaughBox is filmed in front of a live audience. But uh, the audience consisted of Katie, Carla, and myself. And I think we had more than enough laughter for the arena. So. <laughs> that was perfect. Thanks again for being available. And we, I know that you've got some recovery coming up. And I just want to wish you the best and most quick, painless, most joyful recovery you can have and we can't wait to see what comes on the other side of the joy coach recovery we're so excited it'll be amazing Yay! thank you so much thank you to you both thank you such an honor to be here with you thank you for your time Thank you. Thank you for joining us for episode 102 with special guest Carla H. Brown and our hosts, Jim Bob Williams and Katie B. Thank you very much. This has been LaughBox, brought to you by the Association of Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. LaughBox is a production of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Visit us online at www.aath.org. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Music by Gary Rubio. For more information, www.garyrubiomusic.com. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.